Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unleavened Bread Ministries presents... Hidden Manna for the End Time, with your host, David Eels. Hello friends, this is David Eels. God bless you and thank you for joining us. Uh, we have some very important revelations to share with you that were shared with me over the last um, 30-something years, uh, sometimes in word of knowledge or word of wisdom. They are very, I'll say, untraditional, but you should expect that in these days. Um, the traditions of men have been making of no effect the Word of God. And uh, these revelations will help you to cooperate with God in the time to come in manifesting His Son in you and in understanding the things that are going on around you and the great purpose that God has for these end times. May God give you eyes to see and ears to hear so that these will be a great blessing unto you. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You may hear some things here that um, are not fitting with your traditions. God bless you. Part 3. The Church and Tribulation Notice this. After the tribulation, after seven years of tribulation, then comes the sun darkening and the moon darkening. And that's a sign that you can find in quite a few places in the Bible. It's a timing, a sign of timing that you can find, okay? Remember that. After the seven years, the sun's darkened. And at that time, the Lord sends forth His angels to gather His elect. Where does He gather them from? He gathers them from one end of heaven to the other. Okay? Now, that could confuse you, but if you look in Mark chapter 13, and verse 27, um, it says, in the same verse, it makes a slight change. It says, from the uttermost parts of earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. Here it says from one end of heaven to the other, and there it's from the uttermost parts of earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. Why is that? Well, the truth is, heaven doesn't have any ends except this way. You see, we, we enter into the kingdom of heaven here. If you don't enter here, you don't get to enter, do you? And um, the Bible says, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And he also said the kingdom of heaven is among you. So the kingdom of heaven starts here and it goes to the uttermost parts. It's like a mountain in the Bible. Remember the stone that came out of the mountain, which was the kingdom of God, by the way, that smote the image in the feet and destroyed the whole beast system? Well, well that's the way this is. If it's from the uttermost parts of earth to the uttermost parts of heaven, then we're talking about the living and the dead. Right? And so the Lord is gathering 
through the rapture and the resurrection, His people, after the sun and the moon are darkened. After the seven years. Okay, you follow me so far? Okay, now look in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 20. Show you some more timing. Just remember that little... After the seven years, the sun and moon are darkened. After the sun and moon are darkened, the Lord comes for His saints. Acts chapter 2 and verse 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the day of the Lord come. That great and notable day. Isn't that interesting? Think about it again now. We have seven years of tribulation. The sun and moon are darkened and the Lord gathers His saints. And here it says, after the, after the sun and moon are darkened, the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Again, we have another proof of what we're seeing here. There's eight years and not seven years. And the eighth year is called the day of the Lord. And it's a, a day like, that is a year just like the previous seven days or seven years. Okay? But this is a day of wrath and not a day of tribulation. That's the difference. The tribulation is the seven and the eighth is the day of wrath. Okay? So you follow me so far, right? <laughs> uh, let me take a little side trip here. Look at Isaiah chapter 13. I want to show you where America is destroyed. And I know that some people say, David, I don't know. That, that doesn't seem right to me. Um, but I had a revelation back when some very faithful prophets, including myself, <laughs> were saying that America was going to be destroyed in the end of the last century. Do you remember that? Okay. And um, these were not false prophets, folks. These were Jonah prophets. <laughs> the Lord had a plan. He was following down the path of Jonah exactly. Because I saw in a vision, the Lord put me over the Gulf of Mexico and I saw America as Nineveh. And I saw this in 1996. And what the Lord was showing me was He's going to delay the judgment that was due America. I saw it in a vision. And, um, well, Isaiah 13 is the story of the destruction of Babylon. I'm sure probably a lot of you agree with me on that, that Babylon is America. A lot of faithful prophets have pointed that out, and, they, and it's the truth. America was, or Babylon was called the Great Eagle by Ezekiel in, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 17, the Great Eagle. It was also the greatest military and, and uh, merchant nation of its time. It ruled the nations. It was the head of gold in the image of the beast. Oh, that's interesting. It was the head of gold. It ruled over the nations. It rode the back of the beast. What's happening right now, folks? We, you couldn't see it clearer. I mean, what is America doing? It's ruling the world. And it's on the back of the beast. It's ruling the United Nations, right? It's very clear. And Babylon was that type. Except there are prophecies about Babylon that were never fulfilled on physical Babylon. They will be fulfilled in these end times. Okay, And this destruction right here does not fit physical Babylon. If You can read it very carefully and see. Verse 9, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Wow, there it is again. You want to know when America is going to be destroyed? The day of the Lord. I'll tell you why I know this. Because the Lord showed me that when He delayed the destruction of America, He took it from before the tribulation 
and put it after the tribulation. I'm sure a lot of people are going to argue with me on that, but you write it down because it's going to happen. Okay? Um, that's what happened to Nineveh. Nineveh, when God delayed the destruction of Nineveh, it was so that Nineveh could conquer the people of God. You understand? That's why he delayed it. He needed Nineveh to conquer the people of God. They were in rebellion. And after they conquered the people of God and kept them in bondage, then God destroyed Nineveh. Well, that's what's going to happen to America. We don't like to think about it, but America is going to persecute the saints. America is going to bring the saints into bondage. Okay. It's going to happen. The day of the Lord is this reckoning. Verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel with wrath, there it is again, and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation, and to destroy the sinners, the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Here it is again. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause its light to shine. You know what happens right here? Right here, the ten kings destroy the harlot. And they do it with a nuclear war. A nuclear war begins the great and terrible day of the Lord. And America is the number one nation to be hit. The first nation to be hit. The Lord's shown it to me very plainly in the Scriptures, but I can't go into that right now. But America's going to be the number one. It's going to be hit. And not only that, he goes on to mention verse 11, and I will punish the world for their evil. Not just Babylon. This is going to punish the whole world because America can't get hit without hitting back. And this is the whole world is going to be in a, the first real world war. We've never had a world war. You know that, don't you? Never had one. This is a world war. But what people don't know is it's between God and the nations. That's what the book says. <clears throat> and they're all losing, all of them. So, but we win. I read the end of the book, right? <laughs> and in, in Jeremiah chapter 25, it says, speaking of this same time, by the way, he's actually quoting a time when, when um, a. A. Allen's vision the Lord quoted this particular portion of, uh, to A.A. Allen in his vision, but it went on to say that uh, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and the dead in that day will be from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. We're talking about a real nuclear war here. Okay? Um, go with me to Revelation 14 and verse 14. Okay, the, um, the background to this is from 9 on down through 12, he talks about the patience of the saints and not partaking of the mark of the beast or the image of the beast because if they did, they would go into the wrath of God. Verse 10. Isn't that interesting? The saints who partake of the mark and image are going into the eighth day, the wrath of God. They will not be in the ark. And... Um, that's going to be a considerable amount of people here because I shouldn't use the word saints. I should use the word Christians because Christians are a very loose term now. It doesn't really mean anything, but saint means a sanctified one. All the sanctified ones will be in the ark. Okay, But, um, but all of the Christians will not. Okay? And um, we have a, have a lot of types to prove this. You know, uh, Ten out of twelve tribes worship the image of the beast in the Old Testament. This is what we're loosely calling Christians. Ten out of twelve tribes. There's going to be what the Bible calls a great falling away. 
You can't fall away if you're not a Christian to begin with. So there is a great falling away coming. A strong delusion because of people believing they're false prophets. Okay, so after the tribulation from 9 through 12 where the mark and the image is given, which is the second three and a half years, right? Um, God exhorts the saints to be patient and He says in verse 13, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their works follow with them. Now He begins talking about a harvest. And it is the harvest of Noah in the ark. It is the harvest of the saints at the end. And I saw and behold a white cloud... And on the cloud I saw one sitting like unto a son of man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the temple, crying with a great voice to him that sat on the cloud, Send forth thy sickle, and reap, for the hour to reap is come. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud cast his sickle upon the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is the harvest. And it's the harvest of the living and the dead. It's the Noah harvest, okay? But now he goes into talking about another harvest, the one which we've also talked about in the eighth day, the wrath of God. And uh, so let's read that. Um, Verse 17. And another angel came out from the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, he that hath power over the fire. And he calleth with a great voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Send forth thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes, her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel cast his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vintage of the earth, and cast it into the winepress. You remember that when the Lord went forth in the day of the Lord, it was... In the wine press, right? The great wine press of the wrath of God. There it is, the eighth day. And the wine press was trodden without the city, and there came out blood from the wine press even unto the bridles of the horses, as far as a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Most people recognize this as the, the Battle of Armageddon. But the Battle of Armageddon is just a tiny portion of this war. This is a world war, and it's going on around the world. Armageddon just happens to be the place where when God gathers the nations against Israel in, um, in uh, chapter 14 of Zechariah, chapter 14 and verse 2 in Zechariah. He gathers the nations and then he says he goes forth and fights against those nations as he did in the day of battle. Do you remember how the Lord fought against the nations in the day of battle? In the day of Jehoshaphat or in the day of Gideon? In every case, you know what he did? He went forth and divided those nations so that they fought with one another and left Israel alone. See? So what's it, the way the Lord is going to fight this battle is all nations are going to be gathered together against Israel, America included. Some people say, well, I don't see America over there. Well, the harlot rides the beast all the way to the end. Okay? And then they are given authority to destroy that harlot. The Lord put it in their heart to destroy that harlot. Well, all nations are gathered there, but they don't, they're, they're divided at that time because the Lord goes forth and causes them to fight with one another. You know, a nuclear, a, a nuclear world war would not stay within the confines of Armageddon, would it? 
the nations involved are now at war. And this war is actually going on around the world. It's not just Armageddon. Okay? So this um, winepress of the wrath of God that's trodden without the city goes on. It talks about it in chapter 15 and chapter 16. And more explicitly defines this, this wrath of God. Verse, chapter 15, verse 1 says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven plagues, which are the last, for in them is finished the wrath of God. The seven last plagues, notice they're the last plagues. That means there were plagues that happened before that. You know what plagues are in the Bible? Plagues are not talking about um, pestilence. It's just talking about blows. Even in Exodus, you know, where it talks about no plague shall come nigh your tent. All of the judgments upon Egypt were called plagues. All of them, they were called plagues. So we're not talking about a pestilence here. We're just talking about a smiting or a blow. Okay. Well, here's the last plagues called the wrath of God in the day of the Lord after the rapture and resurrection. And he explains it. As a matter of fact, in verse 2, he tells you that the saints are in heaven at this, at this time. He said, And I saw, and as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that come off victorious from the beast, and from his image, and from the number of his name, standing by the sea of glass, having harps of God. Well, that's the people of God in heaven. And guess what? They're not in the wrath. Okay? Um, as you read on down, he talks about this wrath, and the, these are judgments. These are seven bowls or vials that are poured out one right after another. And they run for a year. One right after another, and they run for a year. And chapter 16 and verse 13, 14, 15, he talks about the battle itself. The, the war of the great day of God, verse 14 he calls it. Okay, And 17, 18, and 19, he talks about the great city being divided into three. You know what's happening? There's, there, are two, there are two revelations about this great city. The great city, of course, is Babylon. But Babylon is more than America. America is a melting pot of the whole world. We have all the world's peoples, all the world's cultures, all the world's religions here. It's a melting pot. America is a Babylon, but it's not the only Babylon. You know what the greatest Babylon is? The whole world. Because go back to Babel. Where did everybody come from? See, God spread them out. On the, because He confounded their tongues, He spread them out on what was one continent at the time. Then He broke up that continent and spread it out. All the nations come from Babel. There is a great city that is the whole world. And you know what's going to happen when they come against God's people? It says here that this great city will be divided into three parts, verse 19. King of the north, king of the south, kings of the east. There's going to be a great war at this time. This is when the sun is darkened and the moon doesn't give us light because they're going to be darkened because of the great war and the fires that are involved here. The Lord is melting down the, 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 the earth here. Um, go to Daniel 9 and 27. I want to show you the same thing that I showed you about Noah. We have absolute proof, again, just according to the days of Noah. Um, Noah knew seven days before the Lord was coming. And Daniel did too. Okay? Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. Still following me? 
9 and 27. This is the 70th week. This is where we get the tribulation period from. And He shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the middle of the seven years, He's going to cause the sacrifice to cease. Okay? Now remember that. Turn over to chapter 12 and verse 11. Because He tells you to start counting at that time. Okay? From the time that the continual burnt offering shall be taken away, there it is, and that is in the middle of the week, right? The midst of the week. And the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. You say, a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Till what? Well, till the end of the tribulation period. You say, well, how come it's a thousand two hundred and ninety instead of a thousand two hundred and sixty like it was over in Revelation? Well, did you know that the Jews, because they're, they have a lunar calendar, that every three years they add a month? Every three years they have to add a month to keep up. Well, that's exactly what you've got there. You've got 1260 in a month. Okay? That's the end of the tribulation period. Now he tells you, verse 12, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days, thirteen hundred thirty-five days. Now that's forty-five days after the tribulation period. You follow me still? Okay. Blessed is he that waits forty-five days after the seven years into the day of the Lord. Okay, you follow me? Verse thirteen. But go thy way till the end be. There it is again. For thou shalt rest and shall stand in thy lot at the end of the days. At the end of the days. 1,335 days. 45 days after the end of the tribulation period. He told Daniel he was going to rest, which meant die, and he was going to stand in his lot. Who's Daniel's lot? Well, we are, of course, because there is only one resurrection, right? And, uh, and Abraham is our father if we walk by faith, according to the Bible, right? And we are the Israel of God who was grafted into the olive tree, right? And so all Israel shall be saved, the Bible says. We've been grafted in, and we are Daniel's lot. We're going to be resurrected with him. And he tells us that it's going to be 45 days after the end of the tribulation period. The resurrection and the rapture, the Lord is coming for his saints, according to this, 45 days after the end of the tribulation period. And and you won't know when this is going to be until what? The same thing as Noah. Seven days. See, because if you know when the beginning of the seven years start, you know when the middle and the sacrifice ceases, then you know when the end, and then you know 45 days later the Lord's coming. You see. So, when it says no man knoweth, he never meant that to be forever. It was only until we received the sign of the days of Noah. When we get the sign, is the beginning of the seven years. Now we have a sign in Daniel, right? Daniel 9, it says, He'll make a covenant with many for one week. We have a sign. If you know what that covenant is, and I can guarantee you most people do not, if you know when that covenant is, you'll know when the Lord's coming. Okay? So, go back to the days of Noah. Let me show you something else over there. Why is it 45 days after the end of the tribulation period? Okay? Genesis chapter 7 and verse 17. 
the same thing happened in the days of Noah. But I didn't point that out to you before. You see, after the seven days, Noah was in the ark, but the ark didn't lift off yet. Verse 17. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. Wow, isn't that interesting? Noah's sitting on the earth for 40 days of the flood. Why, what's the difference 40 and 45? I don't know. When you find out, tell me, okay? I've asked the Lord, and I know He's going to tell me. But that's pretty close. 40 and 45. 40 days, Noah and all that he represents are in the ark. And they're on the earth, and the flood is going on around them, destroying the wicked. And they're sitting there watching this in the ark. They're seeing this in the ark, you know. Now, we don't have a physical boat to get into, do we? But we know the ark is Jesus Christ, don't we? And we need to abide in Jesus Christ because there is safety in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the Lord told me one time when I was reading this, He told me that there was going to be a corporate fulfillment of Psalm 91 for the church. Now, you know Psalm 91 is true now, isn't it? It's true to all of us. If we're abiding in the secret place, which is Jesus Christ. Okay. And abiding in Christ, turn to Psalm 91. Abiding in Christ is something that you have to learn. It doesn't come automatically, right? <laughs> we're learning how to abide in Christ. The reason we get so many whippings is because we're stepping out outside the body too often. <laughs> the Bible says every sin that a man does is without the body. Did you hear what I said? The Bible says there is no sin in Him. That means when you sin, you are not abiding in Christ because there's no sin in Him. And the ark is Christ. So I wonder what God's going to do here. Awesome. Psalm 91. He's going to deliver His people from sin like He promised, for one thing. The corporate fulfillment of Psalm 91 is going to happen in those 40 days. Um, The secret place of the Most High, Psalm 90 in verse 1 tells you, Thou, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place. It is abiding in Christ that is the secret place of the Most High. And abiding in Christ is 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it is to walk as He walked. Wow, interesting. And verse 24 tells us that it is to have the same doctrine that he and the apostles had. He said, if that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, then you abide in the Son. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that are not abiding in the Son. They do not believe what the Son believed. They do not believe what the disciples believed. And we're called believers. (laughs) It makes a difference what you believe, you know? Um, And number 3, chapter 3 and verse 6 of 1 John tells us that he that abideth in the Son sinneth not. God's going to deliver his people from sin, from willful disobedience, right? So abiding in Jesus is not something that comes automatic. We are highly motivated between here and there to learn what it is to walk in his steps and to abide in Him. Verse um, verse 3 says He's going to deliver you from the deadly pestilence. 
Uh, verse 5 says, you'll deliver you from the arrow that flieth by day. Sounds like the nuclear arrow, right? And for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Uh, for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And they're going to, they'll be in the ark and they'll be watching all this going on around them. Verse 7, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Can you imagine? That's exactly what the situation is going to be with the people of God who are abiding in Christ. And they're there during the first 40 days of this judgment upon the world. This series by David Eels will be continued on our next broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. For more information and materials, go to www.americaslastdays.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.